Welcome to Season 2 of This Is Me. My name is Siobhan. In Season 1, we met everyday Australians and they shared with us their life-changing moments. In this new season of This Is Me, we not only have a new logo, but we have 10 inspiring stories that will hopefully let you walk a mile in someone else's shoes. If you have a story you would like to share, you can DM us at This Is Me Podcast on Instagram. In this episode, Josh tells his story. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm a 31-year-old gay man. And I was brought up in a fundamentalist Christian cult. And uh, in 2007, I left the cult and uh, began to live my life. There's some stains on your photo. They all cracks on your rusty frame. So, Josh, let's go back to your childhood. You had uh, a single mother at the time, is that right? Yeah, so... My dad left my mum when I was three months old. My mother had recently become involved in a religion, Jehovah's Witnesses, and my dad had some issues and my mum had uh, my eldest brother to uh, a previous relationship and they had another child together, my middle brother, and they were already having troubles, but then the religion sort of ended things in a in a more final way and so dad left and with her religion you were born into becoming a jehovah witness yeah as well. so the religion is very insular like most religions do it provides community um and for somebody i guess in mum's situation you know three young kids and on her own and so yeah i think the the religion provided a very strong sense of community did your mum remain in contact with her own family um not Really, um, there was a small amount, but um, my mum was abused as a as a child herself. So, any contact that we did have with mum's side of the family was quite limited. What sort of abuse, if you don't mind me asking? So, uh, sexual, physical. My maternal grandfather was a con man of some description. We don't actually know his real name. There was not just physical sexual abuse from from him, but from my maternal grandmother as well, and also allowed mum's siblings to sexually and physically abuse her. So your mum was a young mum? Yep. And she met another man who became your stepfather? Yeah, so I would have been four. So they met through the religion, and he was also abusive. Uh, yeah, began 12 years of, um, yeah, abuse. You saw your mother being abused? Yeah, so um, in addition to myself and, and my brothers being abused, my mum was abused as well. I and my brothers weren't sexually abused, but physically abused. I remember one time my stepfather hit me so hard Um, that I couldn't sit down for a couple of days um, and I would have been about four and a half. I still remember being in the kitchen trying to sit down on on the stool that we had at the the kitchen counter and not being able to and crying. Um, It's one of those those vivid memories that you have. What did your mum do? Not a lot. 
And when he did that to you, when you mm. were, what, four? Yeah. Did he say any sorry afterwards or did he have any remorse? No, no he never, never had any remorse for what he'd done, ever. The Jehovah's Witness organisation functions like a cult, so they're very insular. They don't allow you to associate with outside people. So people outside the church, they frown on marriages outside the church. Every interaction is very heavily censored. I remember I conducted my first Bible study at age eight, teaching an adult about the doctrine of the religion that I was part of. You mentioned before this interview that Mm. um, I can't recall what age you were, but you had tonsillitis. How old were you? Yeah, so uh, I would have only been three, maybe just turned four. And so I had tonsillitis, like severely bad tonsillitis and got to the point where obviously I had to go to hospital um, and at that point I was vomiting blood. And with your religious beliefs, you can't have blood transfusions, can you? That's correct. They said that I'd lost a certain amount of blood. I think it was about three and a half, four litres of blood. That much blood loss in a child is... Life-threatening. Yeah, despite mum's insistence that no I didn't have a blood transfusion at the hospital just sort of ignored the recommendation in order to save my life I can't imagine going no my religious beliefs are so strong that I'm willing to let my child die when there's a way to save them Each one of Jehovah's Witnesses has a personal relationship with their creator, uh, Jehovah God. And we want to do things that please him and leave us with a good conscience. But but what about a mother's duty to her children? From our point of view, the Bible's command about blood given to Christians is non-negotiable. How was life as a 13, 14-year-old, those really, you know, sensitive age? Yeah. Um, Well, that was the time that I realised I was gay. Um, or at least that I was attracted to guys. Pornography was probably my first true indication of it. I initially tried looking at straight porn and, and going, oh yeah, no, girls, that's probably definitely what I'm interested in. And then I remember one day just accidentally stumbling across a gay porn site instead of straight porn. And I was like, oh, now this is interesting. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, I'd, I'd sort of swallowed the, the religion quite well and they're very anti-gay and the official line is that they don't hate the sinner, they hate the sin, but like most Christian groups, that's not what is practiced. It's very much that the mere thought is dangerous and shouldn't occur um that it's an aberration and it's wrong and just a phase that you're going through and you know you'll get over it and all you need to do is find the right woman did you talk to anyone your friends family or even people at church about it no i did try talking to god about it (laughs) i remember nights where i would be in bed praying and crying myself to sleep while praying because I was like, yeah, no, this is wrong. I'm having these thoughts and I shouldn't be. And for a young person in that sort of situation, like it's so damaging. Like you just want to be able to know that 
you're not wrong, that the feelings that you're having are normal, are natural. Because not only was the church not for homosexuality, it was also, you know, against things like masturbation and looking at pornography and just sexual gratification outside marital bed because that'll lead you into temptation and and sinful desires which are wrong and it's it's so hurtful and damaging to children to be put into that environment i think i'm a pastor of a local church jesus said a man shall leave his father and mother and be married and that's the biblical definition i just believe in what the bible says when I was a little bit older, I remember having a few conversations with my best mate growing up about things like, do you ever masturbate? What do you think about? Who do you like? And and the sort of normal sort of conversations. And certainly, you know, with, with kids at school. And certainly that's where the first seeds of cognitive dissonance started um, and what ultimately led me to sort of reject religion altogether and, and certainly leave the church was those first elements of here is something that I know to be true, which is that I like guys, but the church and its doctrines are saying that that's wrong. Did you have to try and not be gay? Did you have a girlfriend at all during school? Yeah, <laughs> it didn't last very long, weirdly. Um, so uh, it would have been in grade nine. So 14, had a girlfriend for about two weeks and I remember she she came up to me and she's like oh would you go out with me and I was like yeah all right and we got to the stage of like making out and holding hands and all of the cute teenage boyfriend girlfriend things and after about two weeks of it I was like you know what not really feeling it hey sorry this was 13 14 you knew you were gay yeah how do you deal with that what do you do if you're trying not to be so obviously on top of everything else, you know, still being actively in an abusive parental situation. The one thing that I guess I'm not proud of is that I contemplated suicide when I was about 13, 14. Um, got to the point where I had a knife to my wrist. It's so damaging to tell children that their existence is wrong, that the way they're thinking is wrong because if you don't give them an alternative that is achievable then there's nothing there's nothing for them so Mm. when this happened and your mum came in you had a knife in your hand yeah can you remember this yeah i've got the knife in the drawer (laughs) you've still got the knife yeah it's a pocket knife it's one of my one of my favorite knives i use it for whittling um so yeah it's in the third drawer yeah. When you hold that knife, does it ever bring back memories? Yeah. Is that why you've held on to it? Maybe. At that time, do you mm. think you were actually going to do that if your mum hadn't have walked in? Um, I've only ever, uh, well, seriously contemplated suicide one other time in my life. And I didn't get very far with that time either. Can I ask why? I took the knife about an inch down my arm and then stopped and I was like I don't think I want to give the satisfaction to the people that I'm like I want to be stronger than the people that have kind of put me into this situation how Um, old were you 
25. 25? Yeah. There is evidence to suggest that there may be an increased risk of suicide in the LGBT population. You know, most people believe that's because of when social determinants. When did you tell people? The first person I told was my cousin. I was 18. And yeah, I came out to him because I guess he was the only person that I really knew and had contact with who I knew was gay. Can you remember how you told him? Yeah, I was where, like... Where, where were you? <laughs> I told him in the toilet. I was like, hey, can I tell you something? He's like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm gay. He's like, okay, cool. Um, come with me and we'll talk about it. And so we went outside and, and he gave me some good advice on, you know, safe sex. And it was simultaneously the most nerve-wracking and most relieving feeling I think I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, amazing. Amazing feeling to, to be able to, I guess, share this secret that I'd been holding on to for so long. When did you tell mum? Came out to all of my family at Christmas. Came out to mum and she was like, oh yeah, no, I think I already knew. And she was really good about it. When did you leave the religion? I would have been about 16. So just after my stepdad and mum separated. um, You mentioned to me you threatened your stepfather or you told your mum. What did you say to your mum? My stepdad was yelling at mum and I remember just being really calm opening the door to my room and going could you not talk that way to mum and he started yelling at me and I just ignored him I went to the kitchen grabbed a knife and then came back into the hallway and said if you don't stop talking that way to mum I'm going to kill you I remember mum broke down and my brother came out of his room and saw me with a knife And my stepfather shut up straight away. And I said, you need to go. You either need to kick him out or I'm going to kill him. And yeah, he was packing the next day. It was probably in my eyes that I was serious. So if he packed his bags the next day, Mm. did the elders come from the church before all this happened? No, they came afterwards. So the elders basically came around and talked to mum about the situation and they were like, look, you know, you really should get back together with him. Did Um, you explain the abuse to the elders? Yeah. I said to them, look, do you realise that, you know, he's been abusing mum and abusing us kids since we were children? And they were like, well, you know, he's the head of the household. You know, you you should honour and respect him. That, I think, more than anything is what sealed it for mum, that the religion wasn't for her. The gall that somebody would have to tell an abuse victim that the abuser had a right to abuse them, especially when they were children. We all hear of stories about how rape victims get told that they were asking for it. So how do you leave your religion? It's a very, very slow process. Other people who have exited the religion call it drifting away. You stop going to the weekly meetings, you stop preaching, you slowly cut off ties. For me, I did that, deleted everybody off Facebook, didn't respond to messages, just cut off everybody. You must have been lonely. Yeah. When the church is all you know, 
and the only people that are your entire world are within the church. There is nobody, you have no support network if you cut all that off. And so I started reaching out to, to friends from high school um, who I basically hadn't talked to in like three or four years since high school. You establish a community for yourself. It's like starting a new life. It's exactly like starting a new life. Um, and a New Year's Eve party, I, I came out to all my friends at New Year's Eve party. And I was like, this is my New Year's resolution. I'm gay. But being able to do that, being able to be comfortable enough, that I think is probably the most gratifying thing in the world. I do not believe people when they are born choose their sexuality. They are gay if they are born gay. You don't decide at some later stage in life to be one thing or the other. It is, it is how people are built. The idea that this is somehow an abnormal condition is just wrong. Surround yourself with people who are going to love you for who you are. You know, I've got PTSD from all of the childhood abuse and trauma having people who are just going to accept that. My philosophy is make your own family. Do you love your mother? Um, I think she believes that she did the best she could raising me. And I love her, but I don't love her as much as most people would love their mothers. Or I, from what I've seen of other you know, mother-son relationships, I definitely don't love my mum as much as other mothers do. My biological father remarried and the woman that he remarried, my stepmom, I love her more than I love my biological mother. She was more of a mother and, you know, my brothers, so her two sons, I love them. You don't yeah. speak much of your biological father. How yeah. Did he know about the abuse? I don't think he knew quite the extent of the abuse. Does he know now? Yeah. He's just not a very good father, unfortunately. He's a bit like an uncle. Like, I like my dad. I don't mind hanging out with my dad. I don't know if I'd say I love my dad. The first time I remember meeting my dad was when I was nine. And, yeah, he had very little to do with us until the woman he ended up marrying, my stepmom, convinced him that, you have two kids. Why have I not met them yet? And then she found out that we lived 10 minutes away and was like, no, really, why haven't I met the kids yet? Have you seen your abusive stepfather since he moved out that day? Three times. How'd um, that make you feel? I had a panic attack. Couldn't move for a good five minutes. The second time I saw him on the side of the road, um, that was kind of fine. Were you driving a car? Yeah. We attempted to run him over. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. No, but it's uh, like, yeah, a lot of thoughts went through my head. And the other time I saw him, I was walking into a shopping centre uh, with my mate and he was walking out of the shopping centre. I remember having a panic attack in the fruit and veg section of Coles and I didn't realise what was happening at the time. I just suddenly, my, my heart started pounding and my vision went all foggy and grey yeah, I, I felt like I needed to throw up. What would happen if you saw him now? Would you ever say anything to no. him? I would just ignore him. And I've got a lot of skills these days that allow me to sort of ignore that sort of thing. If he tried to approach me, I would tell him to piss off. And if he, and that if he didn't, I would knock him unconscious. How yeah. is life now? I do acting now semi-professionally. I loved Power Rangers as a kid. 
and I now teach karate. I always wanted to be a teacher and I teach. Are you happy? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I don't strive for, for riches. The one thing I want more than anything else in the world for myself is just to be happy. Surrounded by friends and laughing and enjoying the company of them. That's happiness. That's that's all we ask for. Like, it's a simple things, isn't it? You don't need a high-paying job. You don't need expensive car. You find the little things in life that can make you happy. I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life is that you make your own family. You don't have to associate or rely on the people that you're related to just because they're your blood. You can surround yourself with people who love and support you and make them your family. There's some stains on your photo They all cracks on your rusty frame More than 75% of mental health issues develop before a person turns 25. Headspace centres act as a one-stop shop for young people who need help with mental health, physical health, including sexual health, alcohol and other drugs or work and study support. Contact them at headspace.org.au.